0: Welcome to Lessons for Life, where we seek to learn, love and live the Word of God. Now, here is James Long, Jr. Do you ever struggle with fears or insecurities in your life? And it just seems like it chokes you and you find yourself overwhelmed. The anxieties, the worries, the fears, the insecurities, the doubt, maybe the perfectionism that's in your life, maybe the struggles with, with feeling a lack of approval in your life. You find yourself maybe trying to control environments and other people because you're finding yourself feeling so insecure within that you want to try to deal with Struggles around, you figure if I can control people or circumstances that my fears and insecurities will be gone. Well, if you do struggle with that, you're not alone. There's so many people that struggle with these types of problems. And in this next lessons for life, we're going to talk about finding hope for those that are fearful, taking life's problems and finding God's solutions to it for the topic of fear and anxiety on our next lessons for life. Well, hello, everyone. My name is James Long Jr., and welcome to Lessons for Life. I am a pastor, certified biblical counselor, board certified professional counselor. And a university professor, and I have spent almost three decades helping people find life's problems and find God's solutions to those problems. What we do is we make these educational videos and put out educational content on the topics of mental, emotional, relational, and spiritual issues from a biblical perspective. And today we're going to look at the topic of anxiety, fear, and worry so we want them to be able to want you to be able to find hope for the fearful find hope for those that are anxious so let's look at this topic area and see what god is going to teach us as we find hope for the fearful life's problems God's solutions fear and anxiety one of the passages i'm going to ask you to consider thinking about is a passage that you're very familiar with from second timothy chapter 1 verse 7. it says for god gave us a spirit not of fear but of power of love and self-control I want you to think about that passage as we work through it. Now, if you're familiar with our framework, we use this framework in a lot of the counseling. So issue, aim, adapt, and apply. So let's look at the issue, the problem. Let's try to observe it. And why don't we start with this? What is my problem? What is the struggle that I'm going through? And for many of us, it's the struggle with fear, anxiety, and worry. Now, fear is an emotion of alarm in reaction to a perceived danger or threat. That's what fear is, but anxiety is a little bit different. It's more of a general state of a long-term feeling of an easiness. It's a vague perception that the threat won't go away. Maybe that's the way you're feeling right now. So whether it's fear or anxiety, these are the two components that we will have. Those are both emotional in their component, but then there is also worry. Worry is not an emotion. It's, it's a mental action. And what it does, it brings up the conflict or the fears. And what we do is we mull over them and we can contemplate them over and over in our minds. Do you find yourself doing that? You think about the worst case scenario. And what tends to happen is this. What we can find is going to, these three components are going to be part of a person that struggles with anxiety. First, they're going to have a worrying mindset. Second, there's going to be some physiological responses that are happening within. And then third, there's an avoidance behavior. So the worrying mindset, physiologically, something's going to happen within us physically, and then we're going to tend to avoid. Now, When you think about it from a medical or a psychiatric definitions of anxiety, it is a list. Um, It could be phobias or panic attacks or obsessive and compulsive disorders and patterns in life. Some people could have anxieties due to medical conditions. Some could have post-traumatic stress disorders, um, also acute stress disorders. Some will have more, what we call a more generalized anxiety. Some people will have substance induced where it's going to be influenced by the substances that are there. Those are all the different medical diagnoses that are out there and there are a plethora of them. But what we want to try to do is to kind of talk about it on a different level. And I want you to think about this, that when we think about fear, fear is there in our lives, but our fear tends to lead us to control. We want to control things. We tend to think that the fear object is outside of us. Whatever is producing this fear in us is outside of us. That's what we believe. So we want to try to control people and environments and circumstances. But the problem is, is that the more we fear, the more we control, we'll find that we can't control environments. We can't control circumstances. We can't control other people. And that will lead to anger in our lives. More anger. We're going to elevate anger to try to get this person or the circumstance to submit to our control, but it won't happen. And then what will end up happening is that we will turn that to depression. Oftentimes despair, despair will lead to greater destruction in our lives. So fear, control, anger, depression, despair, destruction. Does that sound like a pattern that you've ever struggled with in your life? And for so many of us, we struggle with these. And what happens is that there can be a stronghold of fear that can happen in our lives. And I want you to think about who or what it is that you blame. And there are some critical concerns that happen. Faith and hope are oftentimes placed in the wrong place that they're centered in the wrong place that we we believe that our faith and hope is going to come from our control or our faith and hope is going to come from another human being outside of the Lord Jesus Christ and we place our faith and hope in the wrong places sometimes we struggle with extremes and what we mean by this is that there's some extremes that happen in our lives we go to extremes in the way we see things and what we perceive everything is all bad or you're all good it's worst case scenarios we go to these extremes uh, you know, one car, person called it awfulizing. We, we go to extremes in our lives in the way we think. So we place our faith and hope in the wrong place, or we go to extremes. Now, there are some crucial causes that have led to the fear. And the first one goes all the way back to the, the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 3. Now, in Genesis chapter 1, we have the beauty of the garden, and we have the beauty of Adam and Eve living together in harmony. But then in Genesis 3, if you're familiar with that, Satan comes into the picture, and he distracts us from the beauty of God. He deceives us. He, he causes us to fall to levels of defeat in our lives. When we get discouraged and we find ourselves disgraced, we feel shame. And, and what we do is it destroys our relationship with God. It destroys our relationship with one another. That fall and the consequences of that are significant with this issue of fear, worry, and anxiety in our lives. Now, after Adam and Eve fell, you're familiar with this, perhaps in Genesis chapter three, they immediately felt shame. And when they felt shame, they felt a sense of brokenness. They felt exposed. And what they wanted to do was to cover up that exposing. They covered up from one another. They, they covered up their shame and the shame was happening within, but for some reason, they thought the shame was happening outside of them. So they figured they can cover it up. Cover it up. We do the same thing. And then what they did is they had fear in their lives. They felt fear for God. And so what they did is what we tend to do in our fear, we run and hide. And then after not only shame covered up fear, running and hiding, but guilt, what did they do? They blamed, they blamed each other. And Adam even went as far as to blame God. And these are crucial causes for the miseries that we go through. The fall, shame, fear, guilt, misery, and suffering. All of that is a byproduct of the fall that we had in Adam we also have a significant issue with pride. It was C.S. Lewis that said that the chief problem that we have is pride. And I think he is right. What we find ourselves doing is that we tend to elevate ourselves, our own wisdom, our own ability, which is not wisdom inevitably. It's foolishness. But we think much of ourselves. We think much of our power. We think much of our ways. It says in Jeremiah, let not the wise men boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty men boast in his might. Let not the rich men boast in his riches, but let him who boasts, boast in this, that he understands and knows me that I am the Lord. And so it's instead of boasting in our own ability and our own possessions or power, we need to be boasting and elevating God in our lives. But it's not just the, the, crucial causes of what has happened in the fall. It's not just pride, but it's also the self-focus. We have a tendency in the midst of fear and anxiety to make things much about ourselves. And whether it's self-exaltation or self-belittlement or self-pity, we focus on ourselves. So either we think really good about ourselves, which is still thinking too much about ourselves, or we think really bad about ourselves, which is still thinking too much about ourselves, whether it's self-exaltation, self-belittlement, or self-pity, we make a significant aspect of our lives and our struggles is that we're self-focused. So there's some characteristics that exacerbate fear, worry, and anxiety. And one of them, and we'll teach you about this, is this what-if thinking. You you live your life constantly thinking, what if this happens? Or what if that happens? Do you tend to think about that oftentimes? Or is that kind of the language that comes out of your mouth? What if this? And what if that? That's a major component. A second component that exacerbates anxiety is excessive need for approval that I constantly need your approval or, or an intense focus on myself. I protect myself or promote myself. Maybe you struggle with mishandling guilt. And so you feel guilty and you have this intense worry that happens within you. And as you have this guilt, you try to fix it and you feel levels of condemnation constantly in your life. Or maybe you struggle with perfectionism constantly setting unrealistic standards for yourself or others, or or maybe you are very poor in communicating your thoughts and desires and feelings with other people. Or maybe you struggle with conflict and you manage conflict pretty poorly. and, And there's a process that tends to happen in our lives. We have these desires that happen. We make these demands of other people. Then what we tend to do is to judge other people and we punish them. And so instead of communicating our desires in a healthy way. We have now elevated our desires over the glory of God and the good of others. And we make ourselves the ruler. And that desire will lead to demands, judgment, and punishment. For some of us, we self-medicate. Whether it's alcohol or food or other substances, we find ourselves trying to anesthetize the pain that we're going through. And as we try to anesthetize this pain that we're going through, we struggle. Some of us that we've talked about before have a controlling mindset or controlling behaviors. For others of us, we see ourselves as constantly a victim. We see the world as attacking us and that we're constantly under attack. We find ourselves feeling as though other people are against us constantly there's another aspect that we struggle with worrying and anxious thoughts. And the scripture is talking about, talks often about the the worry and that worry is sin and the anxieties of our minds. We find ourselves focusing on the future when God says, when Jesus says, focus on this moment in time, we focus on controlling others. When the Bible tells us to control ourselves, our thoughts, words, attitudes, or actions, we, we think, our, our future is so bad and we fail to recognize that God says, I've begun a good work in you and I will complete it. We get this worrying mindset, this anxious mindset can dominate our problems with fear and worry. Scripture also tells us that we can have a double-minded mindset. You know, in, in James chapter one, it says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways and whatever it is, it can produce a level of false security in our lives, so what is it that we fear? And there are many things that we fear. We we may fear other people. We may fear failure. We may fear death. And all of these are components that people struggle with in their lives. And there are different types of fear. Um, there are fears that are just natural fears. Wayne Mack in his really helpful book on fear talks about these three different types of fears. He talks about natural fear, you know, the storm that's coming or the bear that's in your backyard. That's a natural fear that we have, but then there's sinful fear where we've elevated, um, uh, the fear of other people or the fear of the future, the fear of failure, the fear of death, where we've magnified the problem rather than magnifying God. So there's natural fear, there's sinful fear, but there's a the godly fear. And the godly fear is the fear that dispels all other fears, that when we elevate God in our minds, what ends up happening is that we manage those fears better. So what is the fear of God? The fear of God is this profound sense of awe that we have towards God. And when we do that, what we find is that God becomes big, as one writer put, Ed Welsh in his really helpful book as well, when people are big, God is small. And so what we do is we start to see God for who he is and what he has done. A lack of fear will lead to a a lack of fear of God will lead to a root of sin, Paul says. It's actually the root of all sin. We don't fear God. We don't reverence him. We don't elevate him, and it leads to greater fears in our lives. So that is the first section. I want you to understand the issue, and it's well orbed of the issue of fear, worry, and anxiety. Let's go to step number two aim. I want you to understand the biblical hope, and I want you to understand the instruction that God gives us and encouragement. And I want you to understand that this is a great promise. We move from the problem to the promise. And the good news is this, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, the person and work of Christ is directed For your benefit, that every work of Christ is directed towards God. And so, as we recognize and we see Christ as significant for our guilt, for our fears, for our insecurities, for our past sins, for our future hope, all of it is Christ centered, Christ in his life, his death, his burial, his resurrection, his ascension, that he's seated in heaven right now, seated at the Father's right hand, interceding for you. It's instead of elevating our fear, Of things, and it's elevating God in our lives. But then it's moving to trusting God. I want to give you some passages that are really helpful. In Isaiah chapter 41 10, it says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand great passage. It's actually our family verse. I would encourage you to memorize it. Or the passage I gave you earlier from 2 Timothy 1, verse 7, for God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power, of love and sound minds and self-control. And I want you to think about this, that God is present with you, ever present in your life. He says, I am with you. God is personal. He's covenantal in his relationship. He says, I am your God. God is your power. He's sovereign. He says, I will strengthen strengthen you. God provides for you. He says, he is the good God, the goodness of God. I will help you. And then he's preserving in his graces to you. I will uphold you by my righteous right hand. See, that is where we need to, we need to magnify God in the midst of this and trust him. We need to recognize that there has to be a change of heart as well, that God has to deal with not just the fruit of our lives, the actions that we do, but the root of our lives, what's happening the the man the heart of man the heart is the innermost aspect of our lives and so god wants to do a work in us and then he does a work through us the heart is the source of man's thinking humanity's thinking feelings decision the heart is that which is central to humanity it's central to our lives what the bible promises is this that God has given us a new heart. I love this passage in Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 25 to 28. It says this, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all of your uncleanness. And I will remove all your idols from you and I will cleanse you. I will give you a new heart. Wow. And a new spirit I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. Oh, what a precious promise. And then he goes on to say, "Be careful to obey my rules, and you will dwell here in this land, what in this land that I gave you to your forefathers, and you shall be my people, and I will be your God. What a precious promise that is. How about this from Romans chapter seven? Paul said this, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then I myself serve a new law of God within my mind, but with my flesh, I serve the law of sin. In Romans eight twenty six, it says this about the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. He says, likewise, the spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray as we ought, but the spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. What, what God is promising you is that he's going to work in you and then through you by his Holy Spirit. Yeah, but another great passage from 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16, it says this, For who has understood the mind of the Lord, so to instruct him? But we have, what, the mind of Christ. It is Christ working in us. In Romans 7, it says, I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is in my flesh. For I have a desire to do what is right, but I do not have the ability to carry it out. What Paul is saying is that he sees the struggle that is happening within him, but God has given us his Holy Spirit to live with us, and Christ has been connected to us through faith. In 2 Corinthians 5, it says, for in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. There's, there's, As we live this side of heaven, we're going to have struggles. But we can look forward to a place that's going to happen in heaven. In Hebrews 13, 18, it says, pray for us, for we are sure that we have a clear conscience desiring to act honorably in all things. And that's just a handful of passages that I have given you. I want you to think about the blessing of what God has given you. He wants to instruct you biblically. I want you to learn about casting your anxiety on Christ. You know this passage from 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 5 through 7. It says, likewise, you who are younger, be subject to your elders. Clothe yourself, all of you, with humility towards one another. And it says, a passage that is used often, that God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. And here's the verse casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. I want you to know that you have a God who is compassionate and cares for you. And how does he care for you? He cares for you because he you can he allows you to cast your anxieties upon him. And he's saying that I'm here to help you. I want to help you to change. I want to help you to take these. I want you to understand the person of Christ. I want you to understand the principles and promises in your life. And I want you to apply these things in your life. So So we understand the issue. Number one, Then we want to understand the aim that God has given us. Number two, the person, the principles, and the promises. And now what we want to do is to go to step number three. How do we adapt? How do we change? How do we put this into practice? How do we How do we apply these things in our lives? So this is really important. We want to understand the process of change. And and one of my teachers from my grad program was his name, Bill Hines. And he wrote this book, Leaving Yesterday Behind. And he he offered us this three-step process, which I think is really helpful. He says, step number one is that you need to take ownership. And it goes back to this passage in Proverbs 28, 13. He says, whoever conceals his sin will not prosper, but he who confesses it and forsakes it finds mercy. So the first thing we need to do in this process is to take ownership. Similarly, in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, it says this, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is so significant in the, in the work that we do in James chapter five, it's also talking about this idea of confession. Confession is so important, whether it's Proverbs or first John or this passage in James chapter five, therefore confess your sins one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. And it talks about the prayer of a righteous person has power as it is working. So step number one in the process is to take ownership, but step number two in this process is to take aim, taking aim. Taking aim means that you need to take some level of aim. You need to move in a process. And maybe a lot of the passages that we looked at under the aim section is so important. It's not only important for us to take responsibility, take ownership, but we need to take aim. We need to think about the biblical approach to the problem that we're having and what do we need to do. That moves us to the third step, take ownership, take aim, and then take action. In Ephesians chapter four, verse one, it's Paul is writing from prison. And he says, I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord Jesus Christ, urge you to walk in a manner worthy, worthy. I love that worthy of the calling to which you have been called. So we need to live our lives in such a way that models Christ. And we need to break out of the bondage of fear. And there has to be a comprehensive approach to this. it can 't just be memorize a couple of verses. We need to do things in a, several ways in our lives. First, we need to look at the physical elements of our lives and we talk about nutritional changes. we talk about physical exercise, we talk about relaxation, we even talk about medications. All of these things are so important. There are ways that you can learn to relax. Exercise is so important. And believe it or not, what you eat can have a powerful impact on the anxieties that you struggle with. So we we talk about those areas. We also talk about emotional areas. What we want to try to do is to help people to identify the emotions that they're having, to read their emotions, and then we need to help them to express them well, learn to recognize their emotions and to evaluate where they're coming from and anticipate the consequences and to direct yourself in godly ways. We talk about behavioral ways. What are ways that we need to be obedient, regardless of how we're feeling? There are things that the Bible says that we should be doing that we know we're not doing, or things that we should not be doing that we're doing. And we need to talk about behavioral changes that have to happen in our lives. So we look at the physical changes. We look at the emotional changes that are happening, the mental changes, the thoughts, the beliefs, the attitudes of our heart that have such an impact as they impact the way we act, they impact the way we feel, they impact the way we speak. And we want to think before we react and we want to talk to ourselves, as one pastor said, rather than listening to ourselves. So it's so important, physical, emotional, mental, relational. We look at the interpersonal relationships and we want to help people to deal with their problems and the conflicts that they're having. Because people have not dealt with these conflicts well, they have either not forgiven other people or they have not offered forgiveness to other people but well, they have not sought forgiveness for themselves. There's conflicts that are happening in relationships, and that can exacerbate the pain that exacerbates the fear levels that are in their lives, fear, anxiety. Um, struggles with worry. Okay, physical, emotional, mental, relational, and then, of course, spiritual components. We want to look at the fear, the control, the anger issues that we have, our tendency not to submit to the sovereignty of God or trust Him. We want to look at the fact that this person has been struggling with prayer maybe at times or, or faith and trust. We want to help people learn to rest in the sovereignty of God, the providence of God, the goodness of God. These are so important so as we apply this, as we bring this home, I, I want you to think about this, that It really comes down to really getting a well-orbed view of the person and their problems. And we want to help them to understand the issues from not only the fruit level, the things that are happening outside them, but the heart level, the root level that is happening within them. We want to teach them about the truths, the principles and promises that God has given us in the AIM section. We want to teach them and develop a really good plan for change. And then what we want to do is to help them to apply it. And as you're familiar with, when we talk about applying, we want them to sustain the changes. We want them to get support, help from a mentor or some level of accountability. And then we want them to share. We want them to share what they've learned so that they can help somebody else. And these are so important, sustain the change, get support, and then share. And as we close, I want you to think about this. We can avoid anxiety through prayer. And as you become more prayerful, you will find that you will struggle and struggle less with anxiety. I want you to live out the faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to have peace in every circumstance and and doing things constantly without complaining. We want to teach people about learning to be content. One of my favorite passages, one of my favorite quotes is this. It says, Christian contentment is sweet inward, gracious frame of spirit that freely submits to and delights in God's wise and fatherly disposal in every condition. Jeremiah Burroughs, a Puritan, um, wrote that. I'll put a link in below of a video that I did on that particular aspect of contentment. I, I want you to think about defending truth, not yourself. This is so important. We have a tendency to defend ourselves. And then finally, I want you to begin well. Don't let setbacks discourage you. I want you to persevere through those. I want you to endure. And then I want you to learn to face the challenges and the opportunities as opportunities in your life. And when you do that, you'll come out stronger. You'll learn that growth and freedom in Christ's likeness is a lifelong process. And what you're going to do is hopefully you're going to begin. You're going to endure and then you're going to grow. I hope that's been helpful to you as we've tried to teach you about the issues, aim, adapting, and how how you can apply these truths to help you with fear, worry, and anxiety in your life. So, if it has been helpful, what I would love you to do is to do three things for me. Number one, I would love it if you would subscribe to our channel, Uh, whether it's the podcast or the video channel, subscribe. And when you do that, you'll be notified of new content. Second, I would love it if you would submit any questions or comments below. We look through those comments, we look through those questions, and we actually create new content based on what you share in there. And the third thing I would really like it if you would do is not only uh, subscribe to the channel or submit some questions or comments, uh, I would love it if you would share the channel with others. Let other people know about what we're talking about and how we can help them. If you haven't been to our website, please go jameslongjr.org, jameslongjr.org. There you'll find really great resources. I want you to remind yourself of this. You have been blessed. Be a blessing. Live by his grace and live for his glory. Live by his grace and for his glory. Have a great day. See you next time. This has been Lessons for Life with James Long Jr. We hope you've been blessed. For more information, go to jameslongjr.org.